Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. It's Ghost Nobody again here, bringing you the second chapter of my new Fallout fan fiction, Radiance. I do hope you've been enjoying this. I've been getting some positive feedback from the people listening to it, and uh, well, you know, I'm hoping that it'll go far, and I hope that uh, you know you'll continue to enjoy it and continue to listen to it with me. In fact, I hope to attract more of you along the way as well. So, any chance you get, obviously leave any kind of feedback you can. Well, I'm going to stop rambling now and we're going to launch right into it. So this is Ghost Nobody saying, welcome to Radiance. Oh, and just the usual disclaimer, I don't own anything to do with Fallout. That's Bethesda's uh, little niche and everything else. Probably a lot less glitches in this, to be fair. Though, not by many, given my voice. But I do hope you enjoy. So here we go. Radiance. Chapter 2. Running with the Wolves Come on, now's our chance, she yelled above the din of the shooting as she threw one of the tin men screaming head first into another, sending them both skittlering across the metal floor. Her brother turned and nodded, kicking another one of them that tried to hit them with one of those accursed shock sticks of theirs. The man flew backwards and crashed into a wall, trying to right himself. Containment Bay was an absolute scrum, with creatures of all shapes and sizes running amok, trying to exact whatever ounce of meaningless vengeance they could for their incarceration and subsequent torture before they were either killed or beaten back into submission. Well, that wasn't going to happen to her or to her brother. They were getting out of this place. She turned and ran right towards the door at the far end of the bay, which, like all the others, was currently unlocked so they hit the panels she'd seen the humans use to open the things. Just as they did, both flew open with a whoosh, revealing a rather surprised-looking scientist behind them. Her brother didn't even hesitate. He simply grabbed the startled man before he could run and pitched him right into the middle of the melee, like he was playing one of those puerile sports the guards were forever watching on those little small devices in the middle of the night shift. The man screamed as he spun through the air like one of those football things, before being snagged out of the air by one of the super mutants, who instantly slammed him head first into the deck plates, before doing a little dance with his arms in the air. Seems the humans weren't the only one who liked to watch those sports. She grabbed her brother's arm and dragged him into the net narrow metal corridor. This way! I remember one of those humans talking about this when they transported me. They thought I was asleep, she said as they ran on all fours in a single file down the narrow corridor. About what? he growled in a deep, gruff voice. Even after all these years, it still struck her as odd. The pair of them adopted human speech so easily. Granted, most of their kind didn't speak, simply communicated in a series of grunts, growls and gestures. But those among them that seemed deemed insentient and intelligent had adopted a human language they called English. They reached the end of the corridor and hit a T-junction. She instantly turned her head to the right and pointed at the set of doors with markings on. There, she yelled in triumph as they charged towards them. Visa, where are we going? Her brother all but demanded from behind them. Trust me, Ven, she yelled as she punched the panel to make the doors open. As they did, they were greeted by a room filled with large steel tubes, each with a glass panel in the front of it. But the first thing that caught her attention was the dead human laid sprawled on the floor with a large hole punched through his torso. It appeared somebody else had had the same idea they did. 
humans things call these things escape pods. I overheard one of them telling the new people they brought through here about them. They said if there was ever an emergency and the order to abandon ship was given, they were to report here, get into one of these and use them to escape this place. She said, running a large hand over one of the metal tubes as she tried to figure out how to open it. Ven did not look convinced. Er, I hate to piss on your parade, Visa, but these things were built with humans in mind, not us. There's no way either of us is going to fit into one of these things, he exclaimed gruffly as he tapped on the long, sharp claws against the glass of the tube, making an ungodly screech. It's our only hope, Ven. I can't take another second in this place. I'd rather die out there free than spend another second as a fucking science experiment for these vile people, Visa yelled so loudly it made normally stoic brother wince. Alright, so how do we do this? He asked, a little more subdued. For all his strength, Visa had always been the more aggressive and dominant of the pair. She was smaller than him, but not by much. The bear of them standing about seven and a half feet tall on their powerful rear legs. She nodded and turned to the tube again. She instantly noticed a kind of red handle attached to the side of it. She reached out and pushed it down with a solid clunk noise. As she did, the glass retracted and the tube opened. Like that. Now quick, get in and see if you can find the release, she said. Her brother seriously had to compress himself to coil up inside the tube. They were built for humans, after all, not for their kind. In the tangle of limbs and scales, she saw his horned head pop up and begin looking around inside the tube. I think this might be it here, he said, pressing something with one of his long fingers. Before either of them could say another word, the glass shot back up and sealed the pod. With a loud whoosh, like someone flushing a toilet, he was just gone, along with the pod. Then. Visa yelled in alarm, banging her large hands against the glass in panic. It took a second to realise that her brother had ejected himself, which was technically the plan. Fuck, I'd better get moving, she yelled to herself, running to the next tube over and rapidly cranking the handle on the side. It opened just like the first. She clambered inside, coiling herself up as tight as possible, just like her brother did. She popped her head up out of a tangle of limbs and scales. Button, button, button. Where's that fucking... Ah, yeah, this must be it. She exclaimed, seeing a large red button with human text above it, the red eject in bold red letters. She pushed it, and the glass shot up into place. Before she could even catch her breath, stomach seemed to begin bouncing around inside her skull. The whole world was spinning. She felt utterly weightless. Suddenly very glad of her large size filling the pod, otherwise she'd have been floating and bouncing around like a fucking pinball in here. After what felt like an age, there was a tremendous roar from underneath her. as a series of smaller ones from all around her. It alarmed her for a moment, till she realised it was the engine system the pod used to fly, correcting her fall and turning her the right way, before shooting off away from any potential blast zone that the human sky ship would cause by falling from the sky, which was what the pod was intended for. It flew for a little while before the engine ceased, and with a sharp jolt which caused her horn head to smack the ceiling of the pod, making her curse, stopped her fall. Looking through the glass, she saw a large white sheet of some kind had opened up above the pod, and it seemed to be floating them down to earth. Finally, the pod hit the ground with a loud metallic bang that made her skull shake in her head. The pod promptly fell over on its side and rolled for a bit, 
before settling with a glass facing the black night sky. For a moment, Visa just stared up at the trillions of little stars above her, a breath caught in her chest at the beauty of it. It was a sight she'd feared she'd never see in her life again. That's when an equally wonderful sight appeared in the glass, and her brother's large horned head popped up into view, looking down at her. You made it, he said happily, his voice sounding a little muted by the glass. Then he pointed to something. There's a lever right here. Pull it, it'll pop the glass, he said. Visa craned her neck to look where he was indicating, and there, right next to the long tail, was a large black lever. She used the tail to crank it as her limbs were pinned, but no sooner had she moved it than the glass shot up with a rush of cool, fresh air sucked into the pod. She greedily sucked in a lungful of it, and she unwound herself and climbed out of the pod. We're free! I can't fucking believe it! One of your crazy tail plans actually worked! Ven said, hugging her and jumping around after he helped her out. She huffed indignantly as she returned the hug. There was never any doubt. You should listen to your sister more often. I'm always right, you know, she said with a smug grin, pulling her jaw up and exposing her fans. Ven just laughed. You mean like the time you were convinced the pond was just so fresh and cool and clear there was no possible way there could be mileworks hiding in there, he said, shouting her a smug grin of his own. She made a hump noise and flicked her tail. Well, even a perfect being can be wrong once in a while. Besides, I know what you're complaining about. We ate well that night, didn't we? She said, and he chuckled softly, which sounded like a low, gravelly rumble in his broad chest. We did, dear sister, we did indeed. Certainly better than we ever did in that flying shitbox, he said, and she chuffed in agreeance. We better move quickly. It won't take the humans long to figure out what's happened. When they find the pods missing, they'll start hunting us again, he said, and Ven nodded. Yeah, we all know how much they hate losing their toys, he said darkly. The pair of them looked around themselves. Appeared to be in a desert of some kind. There was sand and rocks as far as the eye could see. Well, apart from in one direction, there seemed in the distance a rather artificial glow of light aiming towards the sky. That's a human city if I ever saw one. Ven said, pointing a clawed finger at it, and Visa nodded in agreement. Yeah, I think it'd be wise to give that place a miss, she said. Ven nodded. Yeah, seemed other escapees thought so too, he said, and Visa looked at him curiously. Other escapees? she asked, and Ven pointed a little ways off. When she tracked the direction he was pointing, she saw yet another pod laid on its side, up against a rocky outcrop. Before she knew what she was doing, she walked over to it, and Ven followed her. Looks like someone else intended to have the same idea you did, sister. Two someones, in fact. Look here, two sets of tracks, and then leading away from the pod and the city. They're heading out towards the mountains. Visa scratched her scaly chin with her claws. Hmm, human by the look of those prints. But obviously not with the people up there. Otherwise, why would two of them be in the same pod? She said, pointing to the two sets of tracks. Hmm, you might be right, sister. One of those humans dressed in blue, maybe. The ones I always seen kept being marched about by the ones in black, or wheeling them about, strapped to those odd devices. Either way, I think we should be heading the same way we should go. The mountains are rocky, and it would make them much harder to track us. Not to mention there will be cave for us to hide in, Ben said, looking off into the distance between, towards the rocky protrusions from the sandy earth. 
Visa didn't like the thought of running into these two humans, but what choice did they have? The brother was right. The mountains were their best bet at making a clean escape from the human sky ship. Alright, we'll follow their route, but just be on the lookout for them. I'd rather not get into a conflict with them if it can be avoided. If they are escapees just like us, then fighting among ourselves will just make it easier for the humans up there to find us all again. So I say then we leave them to it, she said, and then chuckled to himself. What's this? The mighty Visa turning, around, turning down the chance to start a fight with someone? I didn't know any better, I'd say you'd been replaced with one of those mechanical people we saw back in the Commonwealth that all the humans were so afraid of, he said with a chuckle. Visa punched him in the shoulder and smacked him upside the back of the head with her tail, which just made him laugh even harder. There's the sister I know and love, he chuckled, and she just snarled at him. Come on before you show you what starting a fight really means, she grumped, before setting off across the sands while he chuckled along behind her. Other than the occasional rad scorpion out hunting for its dinner, the wastes of the desert were a lot of empty. Most creatures, even the predators of the night, knew to give their kind a wide berth. Their species had a well-earned reputation, even among the lesser creatures of the world, and their scent on the breeze alone was more than enough to send most things running for fucking cover. Ven suddenly stopped, right at his tracks, and started sniffing the air. Visa went on alert instantly. What have you got? she asked, sniffing around herself, but catching nothing. Ven didn't answer. Instead, he walked in an odd circle, looking at the ground. Suddenly, he tapped his large clawed foot on the ground, and like a bolt of lightning, plunged his claw hand into the sand. With a hard yank, he wrenched something small free from the sand and threw it to her. Catch! he yelled just before it left her hand. Instinctively, Visa caught the object and looked down at it in confusion. It was now a very dead mole rat, with two huge puncture wounds right through its eye sockets where Ven's large clawed hands run straight through its head. Dinner is served, he said, stabbing his hand into the sand again and pulling yet another of the creatures hidden from its underground burrow. Visa looked at the repulsive little creature in her hands. Certainly wasn't the worst thing she'd been forced to eat in her lifetime. Insects had claimed that unholy spot in her memories. There certainly wasn't a choice cut of venison or a nice juicy Brahmin steak either. But as her stomach growled angrily at her, potentially turning her nose up at the meal, she relented, and giving in to her nature, somewhat began to devour the repulsive little creature. We need to find shelter for the day. We should move only at night when it's cooler. The desert would be treacherous in the daytime, Ven said, and Visa agreed. It was still nowhere near the mountains yet, but the way they kept going on the horizon of the clear desert night... With every step they took, they were getting closer, every fibre of her being wanting to run all night and all day in order to put as much distance between them and her captors as possible. But her brother was right. Being out in the desert in the middle of the day would make them tremendously easy to spot. The pair began casting around for a suitable hiding spot for them to spend the day in. They'd lost track of the human tracks ages ago, as the breeze had been running across the open desert long since buried their footprints. Scent-wise, they'd picked up nothing, even since they'd been following the tracks. But that didn't mean anything out here. Eventually, they found something towards what appeared to be a ruined road of some kind. The surface cracked and chewed into chunks by the relentless onslaught of the desert. Human buildings. Have you gone crazy tail again? Ven said, as he saw his sister was pointing out. She cuffed the back of his horned head and he growled. 
one, I am not and I never have been a crazy tale, and two, this is the last place those fuckers will ever think to look for us, she said confidently. He grumbled and growled again. What if these humans there? I doubt they'd be real appreciative of us breaking into their homes in the middle of the night. Or any time of the day for that matter, he grumbled. He had a point, but to be fair, these didn't look like the botched up ruins that humans had renovated for themselves to live, that they'd come to know and respect. They looked relatively untouched, and she certainly couldn't see any indication of life down there. It's worth a look at the least. If there are humans there, we'll move on. If not, then I don't think we'll find anything better to hide before the day. Deal? She said, looking at her brother. He growled and grumbled to himself for a minute, and then just shrugged his large shoulders. Fine, let's do this before I change my mind. Still not convinced of your non-crazy tale status, though. He said, avoiding the second calf aimed at his head by inches. The pair of them moved slowly and cautiously down to the small cluster of human buildings. All was silent as they approached, and neither of them smelled the telltale signs of human habitation, like fire or fresh blood from a hunting kill. Seems deserted, but you know as well as I do, you never underestimate them, Ven hissed softly. Visa nodded. It was true while humans were both small and weak by comparison to them, they more than made up for their stature with their cunning and technical know-how. The very fact that they managed to produce devices and weapons capable of destroying the very world upon which they themselves lived was proof enough of that, as well as proof of criminal arrogance and stupidity. There were six small, rather run-down buildings clustered together in a tight formation. One had a large rocket on top of it, and though it was too dark to see the colour of it, Visa knew from memory that it was bright red. She'd seen these places littered all across the places they travelled back before their capture. The other buildings seemed to be little support businesses hoping to capitalise on the fuel stop for the vehicles that humans had once travelled in before the war, the rusting wreckages of which still littered the forecourt of the rocket building. One was a garage, some obviously set up to repair the vehicles, Another was some kind of food store by the shelves all set up to display those pre-packaged products that humans used to consume before the world was burnt. The other three looked like small houses, obviously for the owners of the businesses to live in. That one looks the least damaged, Fen said, pointing at one of the houses. The pair of them headed slowly towards it, keeping their caution in mind as they moved up to the windows, the place and peered inside. Not even a rad roach moved in the bed and beyond. A coating of dust and sand covered everything inside. Ven motioned for her to follow him, and he headed up the small porch steps to the front door. It was a little fiddly for him to open the door given the size of his claws, but he eventually managed it and slipped inside silently. The old house was utterly deserted. Not even a single living thing other than themselves moved or stirred within its walls. The pair searched every single room, top to bottom, to ensure it. Visa felt very odd, looking into this window of the human past. She tried to envision how different humans of that time were to the humans of today. In the master bedroom of the house, a pair of skeletons, still dressed in the clothing they died in, clung to one another. One male and one female. A mated pair, obviously. 
She found herself wondering, did their deaths occur when the weapons scorched the earth? Or shortly after, when the radiation and other poisons kicked up by those blasts washed over the place? She found herself thinking it would have been kinder to die in the fire than the slow death of the poison. She even found herself feeling a little jealous of the female skeleton. At least she'd had someone to hold her and love her at the very end of her life. She'd never had anyone to share those feelings and emotions with. Oh yes, granted, she'd always had her brother. That wasn't the same, was it? He was her kin, her hatchmate, born of the same clutch of eggs and inseparable ever since. But there were some things you just couldn't share with him or he with her and she often wondered if it felt the same longing as she did. For someone to run wild with, to just embrace life with and when the passion of the blood stirred, to just lay down and rut like wild beasts with. She sighed heavily and made her way back out into the house to find her brother standing in the main room. There, that should be our hide for the day, he said, pointing to a now-open door she hadn't noticed on her first sweep of the home. Where does it go? she asked, noticing a flight of what looked like stone steps leading down into the darkness. Into a sub-room, a basement, I think humans call it. Appears that a tunnel of some kind leads away from it as well. Not sure where it leads, but travelling underground is a lot safer than on the surface for us. So I think we should rest in the basement when the day breaks, and then head into the tunnel and see where it leads, he said. Visa scratched her chin thoughtfully. Why would humans have an underground tunnel in under their home and not use it when the weapons fell? Do they not have time? Well, whatever the answer to this intended salvation for the humans would now be theirs instead. As long as it was not blocked, that was. So the pair of them descended the stairs together into the darkness and then closed the door behind them. The basement was filled with shelves with what appeared to be old junk as well as a few provisions possibly for their planned trip into the tunnel. A trip they were never to make. Ven pointed her out as they reached the bottom of the stairs. To be fair, it was rather obvious. A large, heavy metal door stood open like an old rusty mouth, waiting to be filled at the far end of the room. He pushed it closed for the time being, and to add some security to their nest for the day. Its hinges protested, but Ven's strength won, and it closed with a dull clang of metal. Before they settled down, they decided to investigate the shelves some more. And that's when Visa found something rather useful. She found a couple of boxes of white metal cans, and she'd seen these things above the human skyship before. She knew they contained purified water that was safe for the humans to drink. She lifted one up and turned it over in her large hands. The claws were way too fiddly to pop the top on the thing, so she chose option B, which was just to stab it with a single claw before ending up upending it into her mouth. The cool liquid was like nectar to her, and she let it slide down her throat. But far from quenching her thirst, it simply inflamed it and reminded her that it was there. So in quick succession, another four of the cans went the same way as the first one, and her brother joined her in when he realised what she'd found. Moments later, ten of the cans lay littered around the pair, and their thirst was quenched. Gotta give him this. The humans do have some good ideas sometimes. Portable fresh water that remains fresh forever. Genius, Ben said with a soft belch and Visa nodded in agreement. Agreed. They might be arrogant psychopaths obsessed with killing everything they see 
or don't understand, but they occasionally have a bright idea, she said, laying herself down on the hard stone floor. She coiled her tail around herself. It was no less comfortable than the floor of her cell had been back on the skyship. The captors really hadn't gone much for creature comforts route in housing them. Half the time they were lucky if the giant water bottles that fed their cells were filled. Sleep wasted no time creeping up and clubbing Visa as she lay her head down on her long tail, and what felt like mere seconds later, she was jolted awake by a sharp tap on her head from her brother. She was about to protest, but then she saw a long, clawed finger being pressed against her scaly lips to shush her, before he pointed silently upwards. The rest of Visa's senses joined her sight in reactivating, and suddenly she picked up two things that her brother caught her brother's attention. The sound of propellers and the heavy clumping of armoured boots. The humans had found them. We have to go. Now! Vin hissed as they both listened to the muffled shouts drifting down from above. Visa nodded and silently and pointed to the tunnel entrance. He nodded and swiftly moved over to it. As she follow- followed him, Visa started something else useful. It appeared to be a bag of some kind straps that allowed it to be worn on a person's back. Quick as a flash, he grabbed it and emptied the junk room inside out. She started stuffing it full of the water cans, as many as it could hold, before using the fiddly clasp on the front to seal it. She couldn't open it again later, she'd simply shred it. Shrugging the comically-sized backpack onto her back over her dorsal spines, she hurried into the tunnel before her brother. He followed her and pulled the door shut behind them. Then the pair turned, and because of the narrow confines of the tunnel, dropped to all fours, before beginning a flat-out sprint into the darkness beyond. They ran for what felt like hours, both silently thanking their creators for being blessed with monumental stamina for this kind of thing. The tunnel they ran down was beginning to seem endless as it weaved back and forth, twisted and turned along. There were no side tunnels or any kind of other exit, so if anyone found the entrance to it, It would be a straight shot right to them. But eventually, they came to another set of those heavy doors. This one was shut, and it required the strength of both of them to unstick the large circular handle in the middle of it before it creaked noisily open, allowing them to pass on. The door dropped them into a larger tunnel, with large metal rails running along the floor of it. "'Where do you think we are?' Ven asked, looking around in the dark." pair of them were both equally glad to the species' powerful night vision, otherwise a pace like this where they were being fucked with utterly zero light. Don't know, don't care, as long as it's nowhere near those tin fuckers, Visa breathed, sitting down on her haunches to rest for a moment. And no sooner did her scaly backside touched the ground than she jumped back to her feet as in the distance the repeated sound of energy weapon fire cut through the air like a hot knife. Fuck! Have they found us already? Ven exclaimed, turning on the spot, trying to pin down the weapon reports. I don't think so. Those shots weren't fired at us. They were further on ahead, probably some firing at something else, she said, spotting something on the floor. Probably something like that, Visa said, pointing. Ven followed her point and spotted a body laid sprawled across the rails a few metres on from them. The pair approached slowly and cautiously, and even before their night vision was able to bring it into sharp focus, the smell of what it was gave it away. 
is one of those really heavily irradiated humans that had all its skin constantly falling off and rotting away before somehow regrowing it. Ghouls, she believed they called them. The dead, basically naked ghoul had a series of holes burned through it, showing that it had been repeatedly shot with an energy weapon. It was an utterly repulsive being, and it had to have been bloated to about three times its normal size. It looked like a bag of rotten pus with a face, and a fucking ugly face at that. Like someone just filled a leather sack full of shit and repeatedly hit it with a very large stick. We should go this way, away from them, Ven said, pointing down the tunnel in the opposite direction to the shooting. But Visa had other ideas. Sounds like a single shooter. I can only hear one weapon being discharged, and there are two of us, and we have the element of surprise and the darkness. We should hit them head on and take them by surprise. We can take them out and escape in the direction they are heading, she said, and Ven looked at her aghast. Remember what I said about not being a crazy tale? He said, and she growled at him menacingly. Listen and think. If we go back the way they came, undoubtedly we'll run into more of them that are following the same path. The one ahead is probably a scout, clearing the way for the others. We take the scout out, hide their body, and make those following stop to have to look for their missing human. This buys us time to escape, she said, and then growled deeply. But the deep sigh that followed it gave away and understood of her plan, and he finally nodded. Fine, let's go. But you're still a crazy tale, he said, and scampered off ahead out of cuffing range. It didn't take them long to catch up with the scout. And what they found surprised them both. He's been expecting one of those tin soldiers dressed in that powered armour they all wore that made them have a lot harder to deal with. But instead... They found a single unarmoured human and what appeared to be a robot of some kind walking along the rails. As they got closer they could hear the pair were deep in conversation so instead of attacking outright the pair decided to close in and eavesdrop on them to see what they could learn. You sure we're going the right way? The male human asked glancing at the robot it seemed to have a large light source stuck in the middle of its face that was using it to illuminate the tunnel ahead. That's the third time this hour alone you've asked me, and for the third time, yes, we're going the right way. Not exactly easy to get lost in a fucking straight line, Seven. The maps I nicked and subsequently deleted from their databases quite clearly showed this tunnel is one of an old secret emergency transit system that linked all the military installations in the area. If we keep following it, it should bring us up near Nellis Air Force Base. From there, it's a straight shot into the mountains, and those fuckers will be too busy playing with pissed-off deathclaws and super mutants to figure out where we went. By the time somebody finds that pod missing and the dead guard, we'll be long gone, the robot said, sounding oddly human. The male blew out a heavy sigh. I know, I know, I'm sorry. Sounds like I'm down to new wisp. This whole thing has me beyond freaked out, you know. Crawling around in a pitch black tunnel filled with these fucking what did you call them again? the male said. Ghouls, the robot replied. Yeah, ghouls. It's not really doing my nerves much good, you know. Plus, I don't have a weapon or a torch or fuck all. All I've got this bag of Nuka Cola and fucking sugar bombs, he said, patting the pack that looked oddly like the one Visa was wearing. It's the fucking sugar rush pumping your nerves up. Told you not to eat a whole pack of those bloody things and wash it down with one of those fizzy fucking poisons, 
the robot scolded. Hey, I was hungry and thirsty, and some of us still have those biological needs, you know, the male protested, and then instantly looked like he regretted saying it. Oh, hey, listen, I'm sorry, Wisp, I didn't mean it like that, he began, but the robot held a hand up to silence him. You think this is fun for me? You think I like being stuck in this body? I had to fucking give up my living, breathing body for a shot at freedom. So don't you ever poke me here again, you hear me? Or I swear to whatever god is still laughing his almighty ass off at this fucking joke of a planet, I will leave you to fend for your fucking self out here. She snapped angrily. The male nodded. I deserved that. And for what it's worth, I'm sorry, Wisp. I didn't mean it. I just... I don't know, I'm scared out of my fucking mind would be a good approximation. I guess I lash out when I'm scared, and I don't know what to do. I'm grateful you busted me out of that fucking hellhole. Honestly, I don't know how much longer I could take that fucking sadist from what she was doing to me. The male said apologetically, and the robot seemed to sag a bit. Yeah, I saw some of it through the monitors when I was planning this whole thing. I'm picking a bust out, buddy. She had a real fucking wide wide on for you, didn't she? The robot said in a subdued voice, but the male actually laughed. A wide on? That's a new one, he said, and the robot actually made a noise that sounded like it could approximate a laugh. Well, I can't say hard on, no, can I? Well, unless you know she's got some rad mutated megaclit that neither of us actually thankfully knew about, the robot said, and the male actually roared with laughter. When he was done, he patted the robot on the arm. You know what? Thanks for that, Wisp. I have no idea or if or when I have actually laughed last. Fuck, or even if I've ever laughed, he said. My pleasure. You know they say laughter is the best medicine. It sure bells, beats the hell out of whatever shite they were pumping into our veins up there anyway, the robot said. You can say that again, the male said. And that's when it's happened. From her left, there was a loud clanging noise that echoed all around the tunnel. Visa snapped her head around to see her brother looking guilty as fuck. He'd only gone and booted a tin can down the metal bloody tracks. Suddenly, both of them were flashed and bathed with a blinding light. Holy fucking shit! What the fuck are they? The male human's voice yelled in both alarm and fear. You remember those death claw things I mentioned, but never quite got around to fully explaining to you? Or seven... Meet Deathclaws. Deathclaws? Meet Seven, the robot said in an equally alarmed and fearful voice. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of Chapter Two. Thanks very much for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, little stroll of the Fallout universe that I'm creating. As ever, if uh, you have the ability to do so, uh, leave me some feedback, either via fanfiction, AO3, or any of the other sites you can find me on. Like and subscribe if the podcast site you're listening to this on has the ability to do so, so you don't uh, miss the next episode next week. And uh, thanks very much for listening. I've been Ghost Nobody. See you next time.